Well, how are you feeling this morning? A little chilly, a little cold, maybe excited. As I step into this morning, I think my profound, like my strongest emotional feeling this morning is just that I feel deeply grateful. I was processing with this week that this upcoming week will be a year since I started in this role, and I just feel so grateful. I'm so grateful to God for the ways he continues to bless and guide and help us to engage. I'm just so grateful for you. You are a delight to pastor. You're an amazing congregation. I'm just so grateful for the really good gift that it is that God has given uh, to me to be able to serve Jesus with you. Uh, Thank you so much for who you are, for the ways you continue to pursue Jesus, for the ways we get to engage together. I'm just deeply, deeply grateful for you. You're a profound blessing to me and to us as a family. Thank you so much for being the church that you are. You are just a delight and you are a gift to us. I'm also profoundly excited today just that the really good gift that we have to pursue Jesus together through 2024. As we start off this year, I want us to look at seven particular areas that are critical for us to continue to engage with Jesus and fulfill all the vision that he has for us to continue to move forward and to walk with him faithfully. In each of these areas, we recognize that uh, they have the capacity to change our lives, to transform us and the people around us, maybe for all of eternity. But I recognize that we can only grow and change in these areas to the level that we each choose to engage and to process them and to make them a part of our life and our journey with Jesus as well. So a couple things that we want to do to help us to engage more fully. The sermon series over the course of the next seven weeks is maybe going to feel a little bit teachy at points. We want to give a lot of uh, really clear and concrete instruction about how do we really embrace these things on a personal level. Because I've been reminded of the words of James that we don't just want to be hearers of the word, we want to be doers of the word. And so over the course of this series, we're going to uh, prioritize the idea of how do we really live this out faithfully and well together. And as a part of this, uh, many of our life groups are also, over the course of these seven weeks, going to be spending their time as they meet every week to engage, to process, to pray, to consider how do they make this more a functional and an active part of their life. But if you're not a part of a life group or if your life group isn't currently tracking with this series and you want access to the, the study guide, the materials that we put out to go along with the sermon series, it's available to anybody on the church center or you can grab it uh, by connecting with our office. We'd love to send those things to you as well. Again, I'm just really excited about the capacity that we have to continue to grow closer to Jesus and experience more of him through this journey. Because we know that as a church, we are called to make Jesus known, to make him known to the fullness of all of who we are, and to make him known to the world around us. And these areas that we're gonna talk about are critical to us being able to do this faithfully and well. So let's pray together as we dive in this morning. Father, we thank you for the intensity of your love for us. We thank you, Lord, that you passionately pursue us. That day by day, you continue to invite us to go further and deeper into the wonders of your love and your presence and your peace and your holiness and your truth. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take this time that we have together, that you would fill it with your presence, that you would still our hearts and our minds, that you would empower us to see you clearly, to hear from you clearly, to walk with you faithfully. We just invite you to lead us and to guide us and to speak to us in the ways that you want us to move forward. We surrender these moments into your hands. In Jesus' name, amen. So my question for you this morning as we start off is, how is your prayer life? And because confession is good for the soul, let's have kind of a communal confessional space together. So who would say this morning, as they're here in this moment, you feel like your prayer life is just thriving? It's exactly where you would like it to be. Just raise your hand if you're in that space where you feel like it's just really thriving, exactly where you want it to be. 
Okay, and so who would say they, when they think about their prayer life, you feel like you have some distance to go to have the prayer life that you would like to have. I'm certainly in that camp. Anybody, yes, many of you, many of you, some of you are kind of lying because you're not saying anything. Um, we'll forgive you for that, it's gonna be fine. But prayer is one of those interesting things, right? Because there should be nothing more exciting than prayer. In prayer, we get to go directly into the throne room of God. We get to approach the God of the universe who holds and sustains everything together, who has limitless power, and who loves us with an uncontrollable passion. There could be nothing more exciting than engaging with him. But if we're really, really honest, for most of us, we have a really hard time feeling excited about prayer. We have a hard time feeling passionate about it. We even think about the great moments of prayer that we've had in the past, and we look back at those with a deep sense of fondness, but when we think about praying right now and here and today, we're not usually just giddy with excitement and overwhelmed with delight to just spend every minute praying that we possibly can, and if you're in that space, please talk to me after, because we need to learn from you a little bit more. And prayer is this interesting dynamic space where we get to engage with God. And so what I want to do this morning is to help us to look at what are some of the ways that we could engage more meaningfully with him. Because I think what often happens to us in our prayer life is we have particular ways that we like to pray, and we get in a bit of a rut. And sometimes this robs from us the capacity to delight in Jesus really well, and to flourish, and to thrive, and to feel like we're connecting meaningfully with him through a life of prayer. It's maybe a little bit like this. Like if I went to the gym every single day, and all that I worked out was my shoulders, you know, I would still be getting great exercise, I'd be doing a really healthy habit, I would have fantastic shoulders that you would all look at and say, wow, that guy's got shoulders. But the rest of my body would look remarkably disproportionate. I would just be kind of like probably scrawny and every other part with massive, massive shoulders, and it just wouldn't be a really conducive space for life or goodness or anything else really for that perspective. But this is often what happens to us in prayer. We have one or two particular ways of praying that we're really, really comfortable with, and we often stay within those things. We continue to develop them, and it's good and it's important, but God may be inviting us into a richer and a deeper experience of him through prayer. And so this morning, I'm gonna walk us through a number of areas of prayer that are critical for us to continue to grow, and what I want you to do through the message this morning is just see what's the one or maybe two areas that God is really pointing out to you. What are the areas that he might be inviting you to go further and deeper, aspects or methods of prayer that are really important for you to cultivate, to flourish and to thrive in a life of prayer? And because prayer and fasting throughout the scriptures are often intertwined together, I'm gonna spend a few minutes at the end of the sermon, end-ish of the sermon, uh, talking about fasting and how we can engage with that practice well as well. So let's just dive in. So what is prayer? If you don't know what prayer is, prayer is simply communicating with God. It's spending some time talking to God and also some space listening to him as well to get to know what's on his heart and his perspective. And we all know you can't have a good relationship with anyone without communication. We have to be able to communicate with one another in order to flourish and to thrive in any relationship. It's similar in our relationship with God. We need space and time to communicate, time to express our hearts to him and to hear his heart for us as well. And in prayer, that's simply what we do. We just engage with him in these ways. And throughout the scripture, we see that prayer is essential to life. The Apostle Paul challenges us with phrases like, devote yourselves to prayer, or pray without ceasing. The scriptures present to us an image of prayer where it's meant to be just a natural part of our life, like breathing. 
that we just engage with God, we just live in this constant, ongoing dialogue of intimacy and connection with the God of the universe. That this is a priority for us, that this is something that we do almost without thinking, that we could just continuously connect with God in a meaningful way. And one of the ways that we often do this, many of us feel really comfortable with the idea of intercession, which is just a fancy word for saying we ask God for the things that we need. And again, this is important. This is something that we should do. We should ongoingly go to God and ask him for the things that we need. You remember for many of us two weeks ago, we spent some really good time together as a church family just asking God for the things that we need. It was a really beautiful, powerful time for us. And as we do this, often we pray and we ask God uh, for the things that come up in our physical life. We might say, God, I really need help with an exam coming up. Or God, I feel stressed at my work. Could you help me with work? Lord, I'm under financial pressure, or I feel really lonely. And we talk to God about these practical things in our own life. We may also be asking God for the things that we, that we see that are needed in the lives of people around us. God, my family member is sick, or this person that I really care about really needs a job. God, can you help us to meet us in these particular and practical ways? We pray for our kids and for our parents and for our grandparents and grandchildren and friends and neighbors and all the people around us. And God may be encouraging us to continue to pray for these things, but he might also challenge us in the way that we pray and ask him for things, maybe to also ask that his work would be done in our lives and in our world in a different way. Maybe one of the ways that he wants to encourage you to grow is that you would be more intentional to ask God to grow you to be the person that he wants you to be. Maybe there's an area of your life where you're really struggling to follow him faithfully. Maybe he wants to call you to ask him to do the work in you to walk with him in a a deeper level of holiness or truth or justice or righteousness. Maybe he's gonna challenge you to pray more intentionally for us as a church. Again, I would really appreciate that, that God would make us the church that he wants us to be. Or maybe he's gonna invite you to be intentional every day to continue to pray and ask him to work in the lives of people that you know and love who don't yet know him so they can experience the hope and joy and freedom and peace that you have found in relationship with Jesus as well. And again, we can and we should and we always should continue to ask God to move and work and to accomplish the things that need to be done within our world. And whenever we see a need, we should just present those things to God. But another critical way of praying that might be essential for us is praying praying prayers of thanksgiving. We see this all over the scriptures, again, particularly in passages like Psalm 107, where it says, give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds for mankind, for he satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. As God moves and works in our lives, we should continue to ask him, but when he fulfills those desires and gives us the things that we need, we should also say thank you to God for the goodness of what he pours out in our lives in response to our prayers. We should also thank God for all the really good gifts that he gives to us that are unexpected. Maybe the beauty of a sunrise or a sunset, maybe a really good conversation or a fantastic meal, or just a moment of deep delight. We should just say thank you for the goodness of what he continues to give to us. Again, this might seem obvious, but if you're anything like me, I am constantly shocked by how often I forget to thank God. I can be praying and asking God for something, maybe even for a long time, and when it comes, I'm just so excited about it and I'm so thankful, but I don't actually say thank you to God. It's just an important discipline to cultivate and to engage with as we connect with him in prayer. 
And one of the interesting things is that as we are thankful to God, it also shapes and it changes us. It liberates us from a sense of discouragement. It helps us to not feel so isolated because we realize that God is present and active in every moment of our lives and within our world. It shifts our perspective to recognize that the world is not out of control, that God continues to move and to work and to accomplish great and beautiful and mighty things. And it shifts our hearts from a sense of entitlement to a sense of gratitude. And so maybe if you're in a space where you're feeling really discouraged and you're finding that things seem and feel very hopeless, maybe the method of prayers of thanksgiving is really essential for you in order to feel hope and joy and peace. Or if you feel really uh, critical or harsh or really entitled, maybe you need the discipline of prayers of thanksgiving to help you recognize the ways that God is already powerfully moving in your life and to simply express gratitude to him, to cultivate the sense of gratitude in your soul. So again, prayers of thanksgiving, just critical for us to flourish and thrive in a life of prayer. We also may need prayers of adoration, and this is where we simply delight in the wonder and the goodness of who God is. Again, we see this all the way through the scriptures in passages like Psalm 104. Praise the Lord, my soul. Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. The Lord wraps himself in light as with a garment. He stretches out the heavens like a tent. He lays the beams of his upper chamber on their waters. He makes clouds his chariots and rides on the wings of the wind. He makes the winds his messengers and flames of fire his servants. And we just need these moments of just deep delight in the goodness and the truth of who God is. Again, you know what it feels like in a conversation with someone when they tell you the things that they most appreciate about you. When someone says to you, I love you, I see these really strong and life-giving characteristics in you. It enlivens us in a different way. And in our relationship with God, we also just need spaces where all we do is just delight in the goodness of who he is where we praise him and adore him, where we tell him that we love him, where we, are, we let our thoughts be focused, not on ourselves or our world or what's going on around us, but our thoughts are focused simply on the wonder of God, on the truth of his presence. And as we do this, we worship him, and we honor him in the ways that we should, but again, it also changes us. It transforms our perspective. It shifts us from a world where we believe that all of life is about me, and my own sense of satisfaction, and my own sense of accomplishment, and my own fears, and my own worries, and my own uncertainty, to a world where we recognize that God is the one who is the center of all things, that he is the one who rules and reigns on high, and that all of the universe and all things swirl around him, that he is the one who is sovereign and Lord, and not me. As we pray prayers of adoration, just delighting in the goodness of who God is, it also changes our view of the world. All the things in life that seem so overwhelming and terrifying and fill us with fear and anxiety, those things diminish as we recognize the truth of God, as we see the glory and the wonder of his person. It changes us. And so if you find that you're often very fearful, or if you find that you are wrestling uh, with feelings of uh, just being selfish or unsure or believing that life is all about you, maybe what you need is prayers of adoration where you just sit and delight in the goodness of God. 
and you recognize His sovereignty and His lordship and His goodness and His power and His strength. And maybe that will bring a deeper level of peace and wholeness and hope and strength and contentment. It's a really good gift. And it's something to be excited about. Space to just delight in Him and to adore Him. Another method of prayer that might be really critical for many of us is just praying the scriptures. Again, this can be important for a number of reasons. Again, sometimes when we pray, it feels like we're kind of just talking out to God and we, it feels sort of vague and unsure. And as, if we find ourselves in that kind of a space, a really good, helpful practice can be reading passages that talk to us about what God is like. Maybe something like Psalm 104 or Isaiah chapter six, or Revelation four and five, and just seeing these powerful pictures that the scripture gives to us of the power and the might and the majesty of God. As we recognize the truth of who he is, maybe when we pray, we keep these images in mind. And we remember this is who we pray to. The sovereign Lord who reigns over all things, who is powerful and mighty beyond the scope of anything that we can imagine or even think about. And it anchors our prayers differently. Or maybe in spaces where we feel ashamed or unsure or not, uh, not able to really get close to God. Maybe we need to look at a passage like Luke chapter 15 and read the story of the prodigal son and remember that God is a father who watches for you every single day. He's a father who is delighted in you, who pursues you passionately. And then as you pray to him, remember this is the God that you pray to. And the scriptures can help us to anchor our prayers in the truth of who God is. But they can also help us to express ourselves to him accurately. I, mean, I think for many of us, we have a very difficult time connecting with God on an emotional level. Especially if we're angry or we're frustrated or we're overjoyed, we may find it very difficult to bring that into a space of prayer. And if you find yourself in that space, maybe the Psalms are a really good model for you. Because the Psalms express to us prayers to God when people are angry and when they're disillusioned and when they're frustrated and when they're excited and when they're joyful, when they're filled with delight and glory and exaltation and this full range of emotions. And maybe we just need the Psalms to teach us how do we connect authentically with God in the full range of emotion that we feel as we journey through life. Or if you ever find that your prayer life just feels kind of flat and you're not really sure what to pray, you can look at the prayers throughout the Bible and say, how does the Bible teach me and model for me how to pray? And see, how, does the Bible, how do people in the Bible pray when they're afraid or frustrated or hurt or full of joy? And allow that to deepen and broaden your understanding of the words that you can use and the kind of things to ask for through the range of life's experiences. It's just a really good gift that develops us and deepens us. And so if you find that you have a hard time connecting with God meaningfully, knowing where you are praying to, or you're not sure how to express emotion to God, or your prayer life feels a bit flat, praying through the scriptures can be a really critical method that we need to engage more meaningfully with him. Another critical way for us is prayers of confession. And this one's so important that I almost did this one as a full sermon in this series, and I might do it later in the year because I'm still wrestling with it. But prayers of confession are just really critical for us to meaningfully meet with God. We see this in places like Psalm chapter 32, where David says, when I kept silent, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. 
Then I acknowledged my sin and I did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. And what we do in a prayer of confession is we just go to God and we just agree with him that what we have done is wrong. Without any excuses, without waffling, without trying to justify it, we just say, Lord, I have done this and it is wrong. Would you forgive me? We just agree with him about where we are and what our sin honestly looks like. And again, this one's really critical for us in our culture at this particular moment in time because increasingly as a culture, we have a very difficult time taking responsibility for the things that we are doing that are broken. And a significant part of the reason for this is that as a culture, we are losing our capacity for grace. And so whenever we do something that is wrong, we are immediately feel labeled by this thing and written off or canceled by these things. And so we have a very hard time openly and honestly acknowledging the places where we are broken and the things that we are doing that are destructive without trying to justify them, without trying to minimize them. But when we do this with God, it significantly hinders our capacity to receive grace and mercy and forgiveness because we're so caught up in trying to justify, we're so caught up in trying to minimize our sin and make us feel okay about who we are and the damaging things that we've done that we can't really receive the voice of God expressing grace and mercy and forgiveness. And again, I know what this feels like to offer these kinds of apologies to God and to other people in my life. Again, I know what it feels like when I go to someone and say, okay, I said this, and it was wrong, but I, I was having a really bad day and things were going really bad. It was really difficult, it was stressful, and I, I'm kind of sorry about this. And I also know what it feels like to just go to someone and say, you know what, I said this and I know it was profoundly hurtful to you. I know that I damaged you. I was wrong and I'm sorry. It feels significantly more meaningful to the person receiving the apology and it's much more liberating for me to just be open and to be honest and to be clear without trying to justify it, without trying to minimize it. And maybe we just need really good spaces of prayer with God where we just say things like, God, I took something that wasn't mine. It was wrong and I'm sorry. God, I was in church today, and as I looked at people around me, I felt arrogant and superior. I was harsh, and I was critical of them in my heart. It was really wrong, and would you forgive me? God, I was impatient, and I was harsh. God, I was angry. God, I was greedy, or I was lustful, or I was malicious, or whatever it might be, and I was wrong. Would you forgive me? And as we honestly and actively engage with God in these things, we have a different kind of capacity to receive his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness than if we try and justify or minimize or excuse the brokenness within our lives. It's just a really gracious gift to choose to be open and to be honest with God. And so if you're feeling a sense of shame, It could be that you've never just directly looked at God and just honestly owned the brokenness in your life without trying to excuse it. Or if you feel prideful or arrogant or superior, you desperately need the really good gift of prayers of confession to just help us to become more whole, to engage authentically and honestly in our relationship with Jesus. And if you've never done it, I'd also encourage you that sometimes it's valuable to do this with someone else 
just have someone else in the room with us as we just pray and say to God, God, these are the areas of brokenness in my life. Would you forgive me? Because it helps to bring a kind of stability and clarity to us as we pray over these things with somebody else. So again, maybe the discipline and the really good gift of prayers of confession is something that you need today. And if a conversation is only one way, it's not really communication. Again, we all know what that feels like to be in a conversation with someone where we just can't get a word in edgewise. And I wonder how often God feels like that in my relationship with him. That so often in my conversations with God, I just have so much to say, and I may not be giving him the space to speak into the situation as well. And again, all through the scriptures, we see God inviting us to engage with him as he speaks. We see, for example, Moses, every time there's some kind of chaos in the camp, Moses goes directly to God, expresses his heart, sometimes his frustration, and asks God, God, what am I supposed to do? And God leads and guides and directs him. Every single day, Jesus would go to the Father and say, Father, what do you want me to do today? And the Father would guide and direct and instruct him in the plan for the day. Again, I love the invitation of the Father to hear his voice in passages like Isaiah 55, where God says to his people, listen, listen to me, and eat what is good, and you will delight in the richest affair. Give ear and come to me. Listen, that you may live. Again, this is the invitation of God that we would listen to the words that he has to say to us. Because if he's the sovereign Lord and rules and reigns over all creation, if he knows the beginning from the end and everything that is and everything that will be, and if he loves you with an uncontrollable desire, why wouldn't we want to hear from him? Why wouldn't we want to engage with everything that he has to say to us? And so it's important that we cultivate and create space in our prayer life to listen to the voice of God and to hear from him. I won't talk too much about this because we have an amazing course called Hearing God that talks about this over the, a number of weeks to engage with this so we can hear God more clearly. But if you've never tried this, one way that I want to encourage you to begin to listen to the voice of God is to just take a passage of scripture and when you read the passage, just pray and say to God, God, would you speak to me through this? As you read the passage, notice what's a word or a phrase or an idea that just really stands out to you. And then say, God, is there something in this that you want me to know? or something that you want me to do? What are you saying to me through this? And begin to cultivate that sense of hearing from him and understanding what does his voice sound like? How does he lead you and guide you? And again, as you walk through that journey, if you hear things that are dark or condemning or feel overwhelming, it's not the voice of Jesus. Again, he challenges us and he calls us to change and to grow, but it doesn't have a destructive feeling to it. And so again, that might be a really good discipline for us. Again, if we need wisdom or guidance, or if God feels distant or impersonal, spaces to listen can just be really important for us. I also want to spend a few minutes just talking about the idea of fasting. Again, in fasting, what we are doing is we take a break from something that we would usually engage with to have more space and more capacity to engage meaningfully with God. In fasting, we're saying, God, you are more important to me than all of these other things, and so I'm willing to set them aside for a time so that I can know you more and put you first in my heart, my soul, my mind, my time, in my relationships. We're simply creating more room to engage with him. And there was an expectation throughout the scriptures that we would engage with fasting. Again, Jesus says to us in Matthew chapter 6, when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show that they are fasting. Truly I tell you, 
They have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Again, I find it interesting in this passage, Jesus doesn't say if you fast, but Jesus says to us when you fast with an expectation this will be a part of our ongoing life and journey with him. And again, he challenges us that don't fast, don't engage with these kinds of practices to look really important and really spiritual to people around you. And also maybe don't do them to try and feel important and spiritual and superior. But engage with disciplines like prayer and fasting so that we can flourish and thrive in intimacy and relationship with God. Again, throughout the scriptures, we see all kinds of reasons for why we should fast. Certainly, we should fast to be closer to God. We can fast around a need or a decision. We can fast to find a deeper sense of freedom from sin or an area that we're struggling with. We might fast to pray for someone else and something that they are going through. We might fast if we're wrestling through something and we just need some space to intentionally pray and to seek God more. Again, over the course of the last number of years, I found for me, one of the really critical things is when I start to feel a bit overwhelmed by life, if I just move towards fasting almost instantly, I feel a really significant sense of the peace of God. And it breaks some of my anxiety and my fear and the pressure that I'm feeling in life because I'm just shifting my attention away from all that needs to be done onto the goodness of the presence of God. Again, there may be all kinds of reasons why we would choose to engage with fasting. And there's lots of ways that we could fast. Again, the traditional way of fasting is that we give up food in order to engage with God. We're saying to God, as essential as food is to my life, your presence is even more essential to me. And whenever we feel a sense of hunger, what we say is, God, I wanna use this as a reminder to pursue you and to pray and to engage with you more meaningfully. Again, we see in the scriptures people um, refraining from all kinds of food and just drinking water. We also see in the the scriptures ideas like Daniel chapter 1, where Daniel and his friends decide to avoid a whole number of different kinds of foods and just eat vegetables and drink water for a time in order to focus their attention more fully on God when they found themselves in a hostile environment. So again, we could fast from all food or from some particular kinds of food. We could, pa- we could fast for something like, again, one meal at one particular time or for maybe as long as about 40 days. A person could survive about that long. Again, if you're new to fasting, I want to encourage you to start really small. Maybe give up snacking in a day or give up one particular meal and kind of let it grow from there to kind of build up the capacity to fast and to engage with God through it. And also if you're fasting for a week or longer, you need to kind of taper down your food and to build it back up. And you may also want to talk to a medical professional about what the best choices would be for you uh, throughout the course of that time. I want to encourage you also that for some people, fasting from food is not a good idea. Again, if you're pregnant, if you're on particular medications, if you have a history of eating disorders, you may also want to um, intentionally discern if fasting from food is a good choice for you at a particular point in time because we can also fast from all kinds of things that may be, or sometimes even more so, beneficial to us. For example, what might happen if this week you decided to say, okay, on Wednesday, I will fast from all kinds of media. I won't watch any TV, I won't surf any social media platforms, I won't try and distract or entertain myself with anything so that I will have significantly more space and more capacity to engage with God and pursue Him. And by doing this, I am saying that God is more important to me than entertainment. 
And every time we feel a longing or desire to engage with media, we just use that as a prompt to say, God, I want you more. Jesus, would you take me deeper? Or maybe we might say something like, we will only use our cell phones for the next week when absolutely necessary. And anytime we feel the prompt to use our cell phone for unnecessary communication or to fill the time or space or to just simply surf the internet or whatever else, we just use that as a prompt to remind us to say, Jesus, I need you more. Jesus, would you grow me to be the kind of person who pursues you and has a heart that longs for you over everything else? Again, maybe for a week we might say, I wanna fast from complaining and just integrate every time I feel a desire to complain about something or something frustrates me. I just wanna offer prayers of thanksgiving to God for his goodness to me instead. Maybe we wanna to choose to use something like all the open spaces that God might give us, say as we're waiting in line to pay for something in a store when we find ourselves caught in traffic. Maybe we'll say, maybe this week I wanna just fast from going online or just being frustrated and just say in these spaces, Jesus, I wanna pursue you with everything. I just wanna offer prayers of adoration for the goodness of who you are. Again, we could fast from essentially anything. And what we are doing with that is just for a time, we are saying, Jesus, I need you more than this. And for some of us, we really, really need this in spaces where we recognize that something else is becoming more important to us than God. Maybe we find that we could never, ever miss watching the game. Maybe we find that we are uh, just consumed with a particular show on Netflix. Maybe we find that we need to fill our time over and over again with communicating with people through text message or social media because we just don't ever want to feel alone. And if we find that something is beginning to consume us, it's a really good opportunity to fast from that for a time, to just write our hearts around the truth of who God is and say to ourselves and to God and to the unseen world, Jesus, you are more important to me than all of this. Would you grow me to be like you in this space? And fasting can be this really good discipline that we need if we find that God is not central or we're losing our passion and our longing and desire for him. It provides us with an opportunity to say, Jesus, you matter more to me than other things that are vital to my life or that feel really important to my entertainment or even into my relationships. And again, we wanna be careful not to be braggy about this and not to kind of burst it out from the mountaintops that we are fasting. But if you're gonna engage with fasting, you may wanna think through are there other people in your life that need to know about this. For example, if you know that your spouse is gonna be planning a really big and significant meal of celebration and you're planning to fast, you probably wanna let them know about that beforehand so that they're not just frustrated with you the whole way through. Or if you have a friend that you text with every single day and you're gonna give up texting for the day, you might wanna let them know so that they don't feel afraid that you're, they've somehow offended you and are terrified texting you over and over and over again throughout the whole course of the day. Again, just to think through relationally, how do we navigate this in a way that is important and meaningful? And all of this is about making Jesus known. All of these things in prayer and fasting are not just so that we can do really great things, they're not just so that we can feel really spiritual. All of this is about taking our faith from a surface level and going so much deeper to live out the truths of who Jesus invites us to be. We wanna make sure that all of this is ongoingly about knowing Jesus more and engaging with him more passionately and more fully. And again, this has been a lot, so I want us to just take a couple of minutes and just process with God, what would our next steps look like? And so today, what is your next step in prayer? Again, is it to be more intentional in intercession to pray about any particular need that God places on your heart? 
Do you really need prayers of thanksgiving because you feel discouraged? Do you need prayers of adoration because you're afraid or focused on yourself? Do you need to pray through the scriptures to help to deepen and broaden your prayer life? Do you need prayers of confession, just simple, open, and honest confession because you feel ashamed? Do you need space to listen to God and to offer him time and capacity to speak to you? So just take a minute to consider what is your next step in prayer and what specifically are you gonna do about it this week? Be as specific as you possibly can because in five minutes we're gonna walk out that door and you're gonna feel like you're freezing to death and you're gonna forget all about it. And so let's try and be as specific as we possibly can right now just to discern what is it that God is inviting you into as your next step in prayer. And then what might fasting look like for you this week? Is there one particular kind of fasting that you feel that God might be calling you into? Is there something that's getting out of control or is there something you just need to say, Jesus, you matter more to me than this? Is there something that's taking up a significant amount of time and mental and emotional space that you just need to take a break from to create more space for Jesus? And so what's one particular way of fasting that you'll try this week? Lord, we thank you so much that you are with us. God, we thank you that you intentionally pursue us to draw us deeper into yourself, to teach us how to know you and to walk with you. Lord, we thank you that you are already excited for the ways that we will get to engage with you this week, that you are eagerly anticipating the times and spaces that we will create to just be with you and to enjoy you and to hear from you. And so, Holy Spirit, would you continue to lead us and to guide us? Would you remind us of the commitments that we've made today? Would you take us further and deeper into you? Thank you that you are passionate and you are excited, that you long for more of us. Jesus, we thank you that you are such a good and strong, a constant and a faithful friend in every moment and in every circumstance, and you give us this really good gift of prayer so we can walk with you always. Would you fill us with a holy excitement and passion to be with you and to speak with you, to relate with you and to walk with you? Protect us from every attempt of the evil one to twist or distort these things and grant us freedom and joy as we engage with you in this this week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.